Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's Happening in Travel with my buddy, Kushrok, and, uh, and I'm Kerwin. So um, this is episode number 28, and we're recording this on August 29th. And uh, the Inter- just- Sorry to interrupt. Um, this is the 50th anniversary of the first flight of the DC-10, by the way. No way. Yes. I love the DC-10. I mean, it's just... Um, Long Beach to Edwards Air Force Base. Oh, wow. That's it was awesome. on my news feed. Oh, okay. I, you know, I haven't seen it. That, so, okay, so I'm going to have to post some DC-10 photos now. <laughs> so, Which was the first DC-10 you flew, do you know? Continental. Oh, okay. No, actually, um, I take that back. I take, It was UTA, uh-huh. the French airline. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying but to... But we're digressing. That. No, but digression is good. I'm trying to think. Maybe Continental is the first one that I flew. Um, because ATA had the mm-hmm. L10s. Yeah. And I flew the L10s quite a bit. Um, flew them to Hawaii from Indianapolis. Um, and oh. uh, they used to have an L10. I think they had an L10 doing domestic routes. I can't remember. But, uh, but no, that's awesome. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, my background is just my back of virtual background today is of an airplane flying by. If you're watching, uh, it, I don't know about, oh, uh, this might've been an A380. I think it was cause I had used flight aware to look it up and it was flying overhead uh, months ago. I think it was actually Air France A380 when they were still flying. <laughs> Probably going to Mexico city. It was going to Mexico yes? city. Yes. Okay. Yes, it was. Um, and yeah, this was earlier on when not when not much was going on. Only a very few flights was on. And uh, Kusha, what do you have as your virtual background? Uh, this is my favorite livery of all time. This was the predecessor to British Airways, the BOAC Speedbird livery. Uh, because I had family who worked at uh, BOAC, uh-huh. so uh, I had a lot of. BOAC stuff, and uh, this livery I think is classic. I agree with you. And BOAC is British Overseas Airways Corporation. Uh, I actually yep. remember that when they remember this when they used to fly to Jamaica as a kid. They merged with BEA, British yeah. European, to become. Oh, uh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, you know. So at some point we're gonna have to do like a. Um, uh, nostalgia thing about talk about all the different airlines and how they merged and what they merged into. I hope they paint a triple seven in these colors because the 747 has now been grounded. That's right. They've parked them all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe a 787 they'll do, right? That's true too. Yeah. But I think it would look more impressive on a seven. Yeah. Uh, triple seven. But uh, that's too I'll take anyone. I know. I hear you. Um, all right. So, what's been happening in the airline industry? There, there was a lot of doom and gloom, right? And we're we're in a in an industry where that's failing. Um, it started out as a slow week, actually. Yeah, week. which is good. Uh, yeah, but yeah, no one is good news. Exactly. But one of the things that's been happening is a lot of these airlines are trying to come up with ways to make money. Um, and also to get people back on planes. And with, a lot of them have closed borders, so they can't go anywhere, uh, i.e. they could only fly within the country, and some of these countries are very small. So what a, a number of them have done is come up with really innovative things. And we've talked about the Qantas flight that did the Arctic thing a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And we talked and about the Taiwan carriers. Taiwanese carriers. And so we have some more carriers who are doing pretty cool stuff, and Kush is going to tell you all about yep. what they're doing. So I guess they noticed the high demand for all these flights, especially the Taiwanese mm-hmm. areas. And um, so what ANA did uh, is that they have these three Airbus 380s that are fairly – actually, they have two. And one of them is has been delayed purposely by the airline because they have no need for it. So they have these two planes in service, but they need to be maintained. Mm-hmm. and that means flown. And also the pilots need to keep up their training. So what they did is that they organized this, uh, again, yet another flight to nowhere. Um, 
It was um, about 90 minutes. And it also doubled as a crew, uh, you know, for crew, for pilots to maintain their uh, certificates, I guess. Yeah. Um, So that's what they did. It was a socially distanced flight. Uh, It was about 90 minutes. And uh, it was on the blue uh, A380. Remember now, these fly to Honolulu from Tokyo. Right. So everything on board was Hawaiian themed. But um, ANA did this to keep the aircraft in running condition and also to keep the crew uh, current. And then I found out that um, Royal Brunei, which is another carrier you don't really hear too much about, but they did it on a 320. And they had this 85-minute scenic tour of uh, Brunei and also... Borneo and uh, the neighboring areas of Indonesia. They priced it at um, 67. No, I'm sorry, that was another one. Um, they had 99 passengers on this 320, which typically holds what about 150, 170? Yeah. And they had a wait list of 300 people. Crazy, huh? <laughs> yes. But they featured traditional. Um, um, Bruneian food, which is sort of a, a related to Indonesian food and Malaysian food. And uh, again, I thought it was very, very unique that they did this. And it seems to be like an Asian thing because most of these have taken place over Asia. But then, actually, you sent me this information yeah. about Czech Airlines. Uh, yeah, they just did one. CSA. That's the first one I've really heard in Europe. And this was on an ATR, a 72. Yeah. And they had eight flights um, that flew over Prague for about, Prague and neighboring castles at a low altitude for about 30 to 40 minutes, priced at 67 US dollars. Um, and they had eight flights. And again, all of them were sold out. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, one of my friends, so, uh, she's the one that sent me the link about the Czech Republic one. She said, first she saw them and she goes, eh. And then when she went back, they were gone. <laughs> but this is to commemorate the 95th anniversary of um, CSA, the Czech yeah. area. But the, the flight was okay, 97. So I'm not sure what was happening there. Maybe 95 was currently operating okay. flight. Yeah, it might have been yeah. the deal. Yeah, that's a little odd. Okay, is the airline code for CSA. Um, I have taken one of those flights because uh, right next to the Prague uh, airport, um, they do have a castle that's very close by. Yeah. I think it's yeah. Car, Car, Carl Stein, I think it is, castle. And uh, I'm going to put a, a link to the video. And I did in a, in a private um, uh, airplane. I think it was a 172. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. The, guy, the guy took us around. I think it's Carl Stein Castle. And it's beautiful, Kusho. It's like really, and then I actually got to visit the castle. Uh, on Did you foot. walk up? Yeah, you had to walk up and yeah. go. Have you been? Yeah, yeah. And it's um, it's we we took the the uh, well, we drove, and then of course I love trains, and then the train went by, and so that was a part of the whole experience. And then we walked up to the castle and visited it. So it was kind of cool to see it from the ground as well. It's a tram, as- right? Is it a train or a tram? I, um, a tram. I don't but know if anyway. a tram that goes... That's a good question. Because we just walked. We walked all yeah. the way up. I don't know if they have a tram. But it was the train... Um, so like if you go to Prague, you can take the train from Prague and you get to a stop, which is actually right by the castle. And then you can just walk up or take... Right. It's a tram. Or something. Yeah. 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 So but anyway. It's cool to do that. Uh, but that's good. That's good. I'm glad, I'm glad they were able to do that. So, you know... It's it's a good thing. Um, it's keeping people flying, and get, the pilots are getting the hours that they need to remain. And the planes are being serviced, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So that's oh. good. Um, and you know, people are trying. We're trying to. And get they're popular. Flying. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're very, very popular. 
And the good thing is that the airlines are actually doing you know, proper social distancing measures and everyone's wearing masks and they're sanitizing and stuff like that. Um, so that will hopefully get the consumer confidence back. Because I think, you know, um, this stuff is out there, but if we do the right protocols, then I think we'll be able to live with it until yeah. something that cleans it up. Um, what, was that it for that one or did you have another? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Again, uh, not too many details on these three flights. Yeah. It was just uh, in passing. I like always for the others after, right? After they yeah. got like, Yes, oh, yes. Okay. Because all these happened in the recent past. Yeah. So look out for oh. it. It'll be fun to see which U.S. carrier does it first. Right? Yeah. Or which, or which Canadian. Maybe it's too much of a commodity here. In the US. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah, but the country is big, right? Um, yeah. I can see them doing like a really, well, maybe if you fly up and down the West Coast or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or to Alaska. Yeah. Or yeah. the Grand Canyon. Or... Yeah. You know, so uh, they may not do the Grand Canyon because I think they had an accident over the Grand Canyon from a sightseer thing. So they may not do that. Mm -hmm. But we have True. a lot of yeah. places that they could that they could do it with. Um, you know, yeah. maybe it's one that you just fly over Texas or something. Because Texas is, you could fly from one end of Texas to the next and it's like almost a three hour flight. <laughs> so it's pretty, it's pretty big. Um, all right, cool. So the next item we have is, um, you know, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's a little gloomy. Um, sadly, it's, uh, we talked about Express Jet last week. And we were trying to figure out, you know, they lost the contract from uh, United it was. And we were speculating that, um, you know, what's going to happen to them? Are they going to merge it? Is it with the other airline? Commuter. Commuter. Or are they just going to shut down? And so Kushra has some details on it. What's going on with ExpressJet? So this was expected, unfortunately. Um, so just to back up a little bit, ExpressJet is the... Um, was one of the two operators of the 145, the Embraer 145 regional jet mm -hmm. for United Airlines. And um, earlier in August, United decided to go with Commuter as its exclusive operator for uh, 145s because they had a lower cost structure. Yeah. So everyone speculated that this would mean the, the death knell of uh, Express Jet. And sure enough, they announced it this week that September 30th would be their last day of flying um, for United. And they didn't have any other contracts with other carriers. So it's shutting down. Hmm. Previously, they had um, this thought that they would slowly slim down operations until the end of the year. But that proved to be non-viable because uh, of staff. Uh, constraints and also flying fewer and fewer planes was not efficient and productive. Hmm. So, as of September 30th, um, Commuter, uh, sorry, ExpressJet is no longer in operation, and about 2,500 people will be on either voluntary or involuntary furlough. So, there's no talk of resurrection or anything like that. But uh, they received this CARES grant, coronavirus aid package of about $110 million, I believe, that allowed them to continue operations until the end of September. Oh, okay. So, so I saw one of my readers sent me a note this morning, and she says, um, you know, she was one of the uh, flight attendants that got affected, and she got furloughed. Oh. And I haven't asked her uh, yet, but um, if they're shutting down, how is that a furlough? I didn't understand that because they are shutting down, right? Yep. Um, so maybe yeah, the, the word they used is terminated or furloughed. Yes, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know why that. everyone would be terminated, but yeah. So maybe that's because something. remember they have to transfer these aircraft to computer, right? right? So and I'm sure there's some sort of procedure. That's that. required. Yeah. So maybe some maybe of them stay on a little bit longer. Yeah. So they're furloughing some because they still. Yeah, I I don't know, but that makes mm -hmm. sense. That's probably why. According to the report, this is the biggest yeah. carrier, if you will. Yeah. That has been liquidated because of this crisis. 
yeah, it's it's so, it's crazy. And there may be more to come. Uh, yep, yep. It's it it, it it's pretty grim when it come, when it comes to what's going on. But um, the good thing about what's going on, I guess, is um, Delta is actually it's still doing quite well um, when it comes to, I guess, COVID nineteen safety procedures. Um, what's the latest you've heard from them? So again, this when I read this, I was surprised no other carrier has thought of it. But again, Delta leads all the other U.S. carriers. What they've done is something really quite simple. They've installed hand sanitizer um, uh, pumps on board their planes. Um, I think they linked up with Purell so they can brand it as such. And they've got these... Um, hand sanitizer outlets at the entrance of the aircraft and outside all the airplane labs. Again, a simple, simple step, but it shows that Delta really has its act together because they have noticed, uh, and this was according to their senior customer experience officer, yeah. that their uh, consumer ratings have doubled uh, in the past few months because of all the actions they have taken to ensure the safety of their passengers. But I just think I'm amazed it took this long and other carriers didn't think of it first. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> once again, uh, coupled with the blocking of middle seats until uh, January 6th and also doubling of the crew count who disinfect flights, aircraft between flights, they really are on a PR road, yeah. which is good. And, and so I it's funny. It is. You talk about yeah. the doubling, the doubling crew, and then I, and then we had reported that Southwest is like, up, oh, we're not going to clean uh, the seatbelts anymore. And I'm like, so you get one airline that's really doing a, a super job, and the one that goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Southwest is one of the most well liked carriers, but it's, so it's. It's price, Kusher. It's price. That, Absolutely, that, yeah. You know, we know that um, if you increase the price by five bucks, people are going to go with the one that's not, not yep. charging an extra five bucks, regardless of who they are, right? But yet they will order an $8 little bottle of alcohol on board. <laughs> yes. And multiple will. ones. Yes, they that. will, because it's value, right? We just don't see the forest for the trees sometimes. But uh, I'm so, glad Delta is doing this. When I flew with them, as soon as you got on, they gave you like a little pack of uh, Purell. The flight attendant immediately hands it to you as you get on. So um, it's pretty good for them to do that. And I know that whenever they add anything to the airframe, they have to get it approved by the FAA. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. So I'm pretty yeah. sure that this was easy. That's right. Easy approval. Uh, and, you know, of course, other airlines will follow. And I think I saw something about uh, something about the toilets. Um, okay. I don't know what it was. But because um, I'm glad that they're, they're putting something. I'm still not using a toilet on board. I'm just telling you right now. They've also <laughs> said that the flight attendant frequently is the word they used. Um, wipe down services and disinfect the labs uh, yeah. during a flight. I did see that. Now, when I flew, there were people getting up and using the lab. But I was so, I was actually terrified <laughs> when I was flying. <laughs> That uh, I was like, I'm like, I don't need to use a lab. I'm fine. <laughs> so I, I'm so glad my flights were short. Um, although you know, I mean, it was like two hours, two and a half hours, another hour and a half, hour and a forty-five minutes. But um, yeah, I'm yeah. I don't know if I want to fly again. But well, but if I fly again, I'm going to fly Delta. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> although I mean, you know, I somebody flew JetBlue and um, JetBlue was actually quite good. They had the distance in, and uh, I think some mm. of the airlines are really trying, and so uh, that's a good thing. But right now, I don't want to sit shoulder to shoulder with anyone. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, very good on Delta. Really appreciate that. So the next story we have is um, uh, something about United aggravating its passengers. What are they doing? So... Um, United did this program in 2019 called Connection Saver. Mm -hmm. So it was this 
software that really scanned all tight connections. Okay. And uh, based on several different variables, decided whether or not to hold a connecting flight for passengers. And that garnered a lot of praise, but it seems United did not capitalize on it. So this mostly flew under the radar, and most people seemed unaware of it. That was viewed as a really consumer-friendly step that United took. And unfortunately, United doesn't get a lot of good, positive press. Well... This week, they announced something that they will be blasted for. Because now they've said they've got this new sub, uh, algorithm that decides whether a flight is worth flying or not, starting at seven days before departure. So if the load factor doesn't meet a particular threshold, which is estimated to be in the 20% range, uh, they're going to cancel the flight. Hmm. And this can be right until the day of departure. Ooh, that's not good. That's going to aggravate a lot of people, but it's not going to aggravate the most important type of people that most airlines look for, the business um, traffic. Because business traffic is mostly dead, so it's going to be mainly the leisure passengers who will be affected by this. Right. So what they discovered... They've been doing this for a little bit, and they discovered that less than 1% of their flights have been impacted, and uh, more than uh, seven, they said, um, let me see if I've got this right. Uh, Yeah, that's one, and most passengers arrived within four hours of their scheduled arrival time, and a third of those came in early. Now, that may be okay for, you know, early mid-morning, early afternoon flights. For late night and uh, early morning departures, that may not be really desirable. And especially since United took this um, uh, CARES Act money from the government, they view this as very anti-consumer friendly. So I'm sure... United will get a lot of negative press by this. This is clearly a cost-saving measure and not cannot entirely blame United for doing this, but it's just hmm. the appearance of what they're doing that is going to aggravate people. Yeah, that's a little mean. Because if you think about it, what if they don't have you know, enough flights on the schedule Normally, yes. if you have enough flights in the schedule, then it's okay, right? Because you That's can right. move somebody to the next one. Um, and then we know how people shop these days. They don't buy um, – they, they buy different tickets. So let's say they're yes. going, you know, Houston, That's right. if they're going to, be to London or something, you know, uh, although London's a bad example. But let's say they're going to Croatia since everyone seems to be going to Croatia. <laughs> Um, they would normally buy something to JFK or something like that, and then they connect from JFK to to Dubrovnik or wherever they're trying to get to. Um, these routes don't exist, but uh, but just to give you an example of yeah. what, people, what people normally do. Um, and when you, and when these you are first, separate airlines that are not right, really partners. separate airlines, not partners. So um, you know, I, I always tell people this that whenever you buy your tickets. Um, always try to stay within the same alliance or on the same mm-hmm. airline because if something happens, then they, you know, they will try to take care of you. Or if you buy everything on the same ticket, but people are trying to save money by just buying like two one ways that are separate. And so, if this happens to you and you're on, uh, make sure you have your travel insurance because the travel insurance will, will cover stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be my advice for people. And I always say people to buy travel insurance anyway. Uh, which reminds me, I got a notification that mine expires on September 11th or September 9th. So I'm going to have to renew it. Uh, I, I buy travel insurance on an annual basis. And I think you should too, if you're going to be traveling. Um, so that's so all I can say for this, just despite travel insurance. United gets bashed in the press because of this. Well, you know, it, it'll, it'll be, it, it, you probably won't see anything until 
somebody with significant social media following yeah. is on a flight and something happens and they miss a flight on the other end and something happens. So that's usually what happens. Right? It'll go unnoticed until something crazy happens. Well, somebody took a somebody took a calculated risk, so we'll see how yeah. that goes. Uh, okay, the next one: Virgin Atlantic shift focus away from the North Atlantic to visiting friends and families. Um, the VFR market. Yeah. What, so what's, now, what's going on with that? I mean, we all well, a lot of us know that Virgin Atlantic is mainly focused on the North Atlantic, U.S. market, and Caribbean. Because, you know, that's the name of the airline, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so now what they've, they've got a few destinations um, east of uh, the UK. Okay. Not too many, actually. So now what they've done is gone in a big way to Pakistan. Now, given that India and Pakistan have some of the largest um, sub-populations within the UK, uh, I thought this was a pretty smart move. Hmm for uh, Virgin, because they can also leverage their connections from the US, which also has a substantial uh, Pakistani population, to connect in London and go on to Islamabad and Lahore um, in Pakistan. And they're, also, they're doing this from London Heathrow as well as Manchester. These are not oh, daily. Okay. Uh, they're on a price weekly or four times a week. And there's very limited competition because remember PIA, which is the national flag carrier of Pakistan, is banned, banned right? yeah. from Europe because of their whole pilot cheating yeah. scandal. So British Airways to Islamabad is really the only competition from London, apart hmm. the non-stop competition apart from other carriers like Turkish in the Middle East three. So. The only thing I'm curious about is how is Virgin Atlantic's, um, they're sort of a, a little bit cheeky, if I can say that, in their advertising. It's not risque, but risque enough. Yeah. So I don't know how the conservatives are going to look at this uh, in Pakistan, but um, I think they're going to make a lot of money on this because flights to Pakistan are... They're not high yield, but they're not trash either. Yeah. When is it? When does service start? They're, so they're going to start in December, which again is time well because that's the season for uh, people in, let's say, Western countries to go home to Pakistan, just like it, it is for India and all of South Asia yeah. and also Asia. So um, I think this will do well, but. I hope this doesn't make me sound perverted or anything, but all I kept thinking about when I heard this was Virgin going to Lahore. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, really? Oh. <laughs> well, you know, well, you know, Sir Richard, right? He'll come up with something. I'm sure he will. Like that, that makes sense. But again, I don't know how this will yeah. go down in Pakistan. Well, but you know, though, um, I mean, I don't think by December we're still going to have more flights. I mean, no. I'd, I'd hope so, but I don't think it's going to no. happen, right? We're still going to be in the trenches. So maybe these flights won't start by then. Um, but this is I like, think they will, really. Because so? Pakistan, I mean, their, their flight, their cases and their fatalities are decreasing. Yeah, but London is still having issues. I mean, they're still doing 14-day quarantines from all these... Right, countries. but see, these people will go for their Christmas vacation, which is like a once a year thing that, I mean, it's almost uh, sacred. All right. So you talk about Christmas vacation and stuff like that, right? Um, a friend Mostly of ours, family and all that. Yeah. Like a friend of ours is in London at the moment and he's, he's on vacation. <laughs> but um, all these pictures are just like, there's nobody around. It's like him. And he, he owns a place. Um, and so I don't know. I, I know we want a, a, a restart um, things, right? But it just seems weird when you go somewhere and you're the only person there. Um, I, yeah, I, you know, um, I, you know, I mean, he's social distancing definitely because there's nobody yeah, around. Yeah. 
Um, you know, he's wearing a mask, he's with his family. And, uh, and it's interesting because he's showing pictures of like, uh, what was the other place that we went to? Um, the Harry Potter thing that I had done. And it's really cool. But that place is always packed and there's nobody, there's just nobody around. So it's a great time to go if you want to take the risk. Unfortunately. Yeah, right, exactly, right. So uh, you know, they have a 14 day quarantine from like their hot spots. So if you go, you know you're gonna have to spend at least 14 days yeah. um hooked up in your place. You can you can get deliveries from all these grocery grocery places and all that kind of good stuff. And once that's over, then you can go out and do whatever you want to do. And they do have you do have to wear a mask and stuff like that. But um I don't know. I was trying to think the other day that what I should do is I'm going to start to do some articles in about how to visit quarantine places uh, because your vacation is no longer uh, a weekend. It's like mm-hmm. three weeks because you got to have quarantine for like 14 days or something like that. And I know that in places like Croatia where a lot of Americans are going, but the numbers are going up as a result, right? Um, you have to be quarantined for 14 days or seven days if you take a test. I, I believe, I, I heard, I think again this week, that Croatia was once a safe destination. But because of the number of cases rising there, uh, the UK has again added Croatia to the list of countries yeah. um, that require returning traffic to be quarantined for 14 days. And they did that with Switzerland as well. And so what yes. happened is that a bunch yes. of these a bunch of these carriers they added a bunch of countries. Yeah. And so people yeah. are like, oh, okay, well, they want to get home right away because they don't want to have to wait a few yes. days. Yeah. But um, I've tried to buy a ticket from Switzerland to London. It is not cheap. Uh, Swiss charges quite yeah. a bit of money. So um, and 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 this is pre-corona, so I can just imagine what it is now. <sighs> okay. Yep. Um, Let's see what else is going on. Um, oh, Thai. We can talk about Thai Airways. Uh, so this is another of those strange but really not quite unexpected uh, topics that came up this week. Yeah. So again, uh, I'm not sure if a lot of people knew, but Thai used to operate both the Airbus 340-500 and the 600. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Initially, they got them for flights to um, Los Angeles and New York, or they wanted them from Bangkok. But that was a mistake. didn't work out. So I flew that. Before you go, Krishna, I flew that flight. Oh, you I, did? Yes. I, okay. did, um, I did Bangkok to JFK on Thai. Uh, okay. And, and well, they, they ordered this in 2003, 2004. Yeah. And they uh, got them delivered between 2005 and 2008. So the US experiment did not work. And they tried them in different markets. And what was surprising to me is that they grounded these planes in 2012 to 2015. So they barely had eight to 10 years of flying life. We grounded most of them except for one 345 that they transferred to the Thai Air Force. Okay. So this was a really expensive mistake. So Thai is in a lot of trouble right now. So as part of the investigation into Thai's finances and whether they're worth a bailout, Police investigation, police-led investigation um, that is currently ongoing and is supposed to end by the end of the month discovered that a lot of Thai employees uh, enjoyed, as they call it, ill-gotten gains from this deal. So in other words, there was a bribe that was paid to Thai officials to get them to order these aircraft. Wow. And... um, This is part of the 7.8 billion uh, rehabilitation deal that is currently in uh, development for Thai. But what I found really odd is that it takes 15 years to discover this, but 15 to 18 (laughs) years, but... um, Slow investigations. Yep. 
But wow. I thought it was interesting to mention this. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but These are essentially brand new planes that have been grounded. Yeah. But they had some issue no. because um, Thailand is still on, like they're banned from flying to the United States, which is why there are no flights from Thailand to the United yeah. States. Um, and I think they were supposed to do like, is it category C? Is that there was something, was? yes. Yeah. Um, I think they were given the lowest yeah. acceptable so, category, safety category. So until they fix that, they still won't be able to fly to the United States. And I don't know. I knew they were working on it. I don't know how far ahead they were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is kind of this is kind of bizarre. Well, I hope they figure all that out, um, because it, it would not be good for the uh, the country to lose its flagship carrier. I doubt they will let it go because yeah. it's too big to fail. Exactly. And uh, they're still shut down, by the way. I yeah. guess. Yeah. I think until the end of September. Oh, wow. I given saw... that Thailand has so much um, resting on tourism, the country must be really, really hurting, as are yes. all countries, really. I saw one of my friends who did something, and um, he he was showing people were going in to go into Phuket, and you know they have like hourly flights or something like that yep. between uh, Bangkok and Phuket, yep. and uh, airport was empty, flight was empty. When they got there, the place was empty. Um, so yeah, nothing, nothing is, nothing is moving. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going anywhere. Uh, I still think Thai is a great carrier. Yeah, it's just crazy. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I've I've flown them and actually really enjoy the service, and uh, especially the food. Yes, yes. So that's really good. And their lounges are really nice as well. I've done mm. the lounge in Hong Kong, and also the one in. Uh, Bangkok, so it's really, yeah. really good service. Uh, all right, India's Vistara. What are they doing with their new safety video? So um, Vistara is a relatively new airline in India. And um, in fact, just yesterday, they started um, flights from Delhi to London. Okay. Uh, tentatively only until the end of October, London Heathrow, as part of this air bubble arrangement with the UK. So they've got one um, A321 and two 789s. So what they did is they introduced this uh, in-flight video, uh, the safety uh, video, and they combined yoga with their flight safety video. That was a unique twist because no other carrier has really done that. So it turns out Um, it took them two weeks to shoot this with uh, their cabin crew and a certified yoga instructor. And it's essentially, I watched it yesterday, in fact, it's essentially got some yoga poses for passengers to follow and a lot of calming scenes Mm. that uh, will perhaps put passengers' minds at ease ease, uh, while they're watching the safety video. I just thought it was interesting to... um, Hmm. Uh, include this because different carriers have tried different things. Yeah, they have. And New Zealand has done a lot of different stuff with their flight safety videos, as has United uh, and a lot of other carriers. So, can you. First time yoga has been used. And given that India is sort of the birthplace of yoga, yeah. um, This is a good time to market it. So, can you do the poses at your seat? Apparently, yes, you can. Uh, Okay. It's without, just a series of stretches. Without elbowing the person next to you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, sorry. Sorry, I hit you there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, oh so, my God. Uh, it's good. You know, we, we, need, we need some good news in all this stuff that's going on. Um, yeah. But the, the next story is not good news. Can we, can we skip that one? <laughs> Which is about? <laughs> the EasyJet story. <laughs> Well, see, I think there's something positive in there. Yes, it's not good news, but it's not entirely bleak because um, they're sort of refining what American Airlines did already, is offering all these very flexible alternatives to their pilots, especially. Because um, EasyJet, um, I have these numbers here. 
in the second quarter of 2020, which is um, April through June, they flew 117,000 passengers. Okay. EasyJet, this is based in Europe. Yeah. Versus 26 million passengers in 2019. So this is more than a 99% drop in passengers. Yeah, because nobody's going anywhere. <laughs> right. And it was a 99% drop in revenue that they got as well. So they have announced that they need to lay off about 730 pilots, which is about a third of their pilot count. Um, wow. And they've devised all these... I think very considerate ways to ease the burden on their crew. Like they've said, you can work six months and then get six months unpaid leave, or you can work two or three weeks, two weeks on, two weeks off, three weeks on, one week off, or different combination and permutations thereof. That's, that's not bad, I guess. And I think it's better than losing your job outright. Yeah. Now, American has done this something similar in the past, but um, EasyJet has refined it to include more flexibility. And it's to be seen if the pilots' union will accept this, but I really don't think they have too much of a choice because this is becoming more and more prevalent and it's also popular because it doesn't outright lay off all these people. Yeah, which I, guess, I mean, I guess having. So, some form of work is better than having no work Absolutely, at all. yes. So, um, again, I don't think it was completely negative, it was, but it wasn't entirely positive either. Fair enough. So. Um, all right. So, I'm going to... We're, we're going to do a, a positive story because we have three negative stories after that. <laughs> um, uh, all right, let's talk about airports, right? So as as we know that the Berlin airport have been delayed forever and ever. And if you, when I talk to my my German friends, uh, they like to change the subject. <laughs> and so um, just to give you a little background, the Berlin airport, the BER, Berlin actually have uh, three airports. Well, had three airports. There's um, Tempelhof, uh, which is now closed. And there's Tegel, which is the, the main one. And there's Schoenefeld. And Schoenfeld is kind of one that a lot of the low-cost carriers um, go. A lot of private aviation and yeah. Eastern European charters. Exactly. And I mean, Schoenfeld is like, it's, it's like a little warehouse. It's kind of how it is. So what they did was they built this brand new airport called uh, Berlin-Brandenburg, which airports go to BER. And it, it is actually on the other side of Schoenfeld, uh, using the South same of airport. Schoenfeld, yes. Yeah. Um, now, just a word about Schoenfeld. If you ever fly into Berlin to Schoenfeld, it's in zone C. And so it actually costs you a lot more to get into the city. Uh, if you do that, you have to buy a zone C ticket, which allows you to go to zone C and zone B. And the city itself is actually in zone A. Whereas if you fly into Tegel, you're already in zone A and you don't have to pay the extra, the extra amount. So um, it's been delayed forever. And so Kushra has an update on what's going on with the Berlin airport. So they started the concept in 1996, um, and construction started in 2006. It was supposed to. It was supposed to be operational in 2011 in October, and then 2012. But they had a series of missteps, um, mostly financial. They tried to privatize it, and that apparently took up the whole development of the airport, um, and that was a disaster. Long story short, um, October 2020 is the new date for reopening. No way. Terminal 1. This is <laughs> of three terminals. Who's going to be flying in? So, interesting question, because they've scheduled it so that an EasyJet and a Lufthansa flight they land simultaneously on the two runways huh. at the same time. Yeah. So they're both going to inaugurate the airport, but uh, they're going to do that on the 31st of October, which is Halloween. 
but what was a little disconcerting is that the CEO of the airport authority said that it was quite likely that the airport was open. It is not is going to open, which is not exactly reassuring. What does that mean? <laughs> but um, so they're going to do it. Um, going to do a soft opening, as they call it. So it's staged. So they're going to start on the 31st. And then the complete opening is going to be on the 8th of October. Of November, sorry. After which they're going to close Tego. Uh, Closing Tego is a bad thing. I love Tego. So um, this airport is built for 34 million uh, annual passengers, and uh, Berlin currently is at um, 24 million. So it's number 28 in the top 100 um, air- busiest airports by passenger count in 2019. Yeah. It's third in uh, Germany after Frankfurt, which is 70 million annual passengers. Munich at 48, and then um, Berlin at 24. So they've built it with a lot of expansion capacity, but they have cautioned that the expansion will only happen if the traffic builds uh, um, like they're estimating it to. Because as of now, there's going to be one terminal in operation, and they've already, or in the process of uh, renovating uh, Schoenfeld Terminal. That is going to be Berlin Terminal 5. Why? A, Why? I'm, Why? Who needs Schoenfeld when you had this brand new airport? Well, they're probably going to use it for um, low-cost carriers if they think they can fill um, the new Berlin-Brandenburg, which is, by the way, called Willy Brandt, who was the chancellor okay. of uh, Germany, West Germany. Um with the traffic that they expect to grow for Berlin. Because remember, Berlin is the capital of Germany, which arguably is the most powerful country in Europe. All right, I'm confused. So, uh, and, uh, and, and here's why I'm confused. Um, you built a brand new airport. Why aren't you getting rid of Schoenfeld? And saying it's for low-cost carriers doesn't make any sense because that's why you built the other one. Because Tegel is low-cost carriers at the moment. Why would you put people in Shona in the old terminal if you've just built a brand new one? Well I don't know. I'm missing something. Yeah. I'm missing something. So this doesn't sound it from what I know of the area, you wouldn't you I yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. This seems like a very unusually bungled uh, plan for Germany. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, typically known for its efficiency. So this was a really, really bad example for German engineering. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's been an eyesore. That's why when I talk to my German friends, they're like, "Can we talk about something else?" (laughs) They they don't like talking. So October thirty first is the start date. So until those two planes touch down, Hmm. don't count on landing at Berlin, Brandenburg. You would think that they were just going to move everything and be done with it because, like, why would you have – so now you have three, three airports again, kind of. Uh, so For a has, week. Are they going to change SXF to just BER and SXF won't exist? I would assume so since the terminal at uh, Schoenfeld is going to be called Berlin Terminal 5. But why? So, why? So that tells and me And why that, they skipped four, I don't know. Well, a lot of airports do that. It's really weird. Um, so, but, but why would you... Maybe they were hedging their bets. I don't know. They did not specify. And it was hard to do, actually. I looked into that. It was yeah, hard it was- to explain why, to find any uh, resources on why they were um, renovating why were the old terminal. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're going to keep it for private aviation and charters and... Because that one has no uh, jetways or anything. You just walk right off the plane and you walk in. But I think all that will change, though. But why would you spend money, renovation? Why would you spend money renovating that when you just built a brand new terminal across the runway? Space? Cost? Yeah, but now you have to get people 
from yes. one side to the next side. So you're going to have to figure that out. Uh, I assume they build that to build trains or because it's yes, they built a, a new train station. Yes, and uh, reroute the autobahns as well. So all that's been done. No, no, no. But but I remember, I, Turkey did it though, right? For Istanbul. Yeah, but they're in two different places. I know that. I know. Uh, and so with so, this, and and it's uh, moving an airport is not easy because especially it, from Tegel to yeah. Uh, you know when they when they did it oh, in yeah. uh, in Kaitak, they basically closed one, they closed closed down Kaitak yeah. one night. That's right. And, Another example. Yeah, and moved everything, like literally everything, to the um, to the Hong Kong airport the next day, uh, overnight. And I was actually there in Kaitak on the last day, and I was at Hong Kong airport on the first day, and it okay. was a mess. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was it was quite the mess. I think we flew in the day before Hong Kong closed because we wanted to see all the planes that were flying in. Uh, Kai Tak closed, and then the next day, uh, or two days later, because we went, we went to watch the planes the day we landed. Um, uh, I, I think the day after we landed in Kai Tak, and it was amazing. People were all over the place, and then it's um, a huge operation, though. I don't think people really understand how complex it is. Yeah, it's it's extremely complex. So, so the problem we had when we were flying out the next day, and we were on the first flight, the first Cathay Pacific flight that was going in Hong Kong to London. Um, we were delayed, and the reason why we were delayed was the catering truck couldn't find us. Which <laughs> 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 uh, is kind of funny. And eventually, the captain came and said, yeah, they, they just don't know where we are. <laughs> and they're like, well, that's a little easy, isn't it? But uh, eventually, they, they took care of it, and we, we were able to depart. Uh, so if we're still doing this in November, maybe we'll have good news about Berlin. Yeah, quite interesting. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, 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 uh. All right. We're running a little long. are we long doing long. on time? Are you checking? Yeah, we're way over time. But, uh, uh -oh. but we, have, we have three more stories we want to finish. There are like aircraft. We're going to talk about aircraft engines. Aircraft and then uh, and manufacturers. Um, Boeing, uh, can you quickly tell us what's going on with the Max? I'm sorry. Um, well, actually, that's. What did you want to go talk about first? Boeing. Uh, we, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, well, the seven thirty-seven. Oh. Well, that's not what it's called. News, actually. Yes. Okay. Of course, all the news. Uh, Reports have been referring it to it as the max. Of course, it, it's, it's not what Boeing wants you to do. That's going to take. But it's slowly but surely clawing its way back into commercial service because um, I think we mentioned this a few weeks ago that the U.S. FAA um, already did its testing on the new a re-engineered 737 MAX series of aircraft. Right. Yeah. And uh, last week, Canada did that as well. Transport Canada. So okay. they did this in Vancouver. So they did their own series of tests on a 737-7, uh, which is rated the MAX 7. And starting next week, EASA, which is the European uh, Safety Agency, is starting simulating simulator tests of the redesigned aircraft in in London at right. Patrick. And then the following week, they're going to come to Vancouver and uh, perform flight tests to make sure that this meets their specifications for operation in Europe. So what they're going to do, essentially test is this redesign of the software, the MCAS software, the testing the new wiring bundles that they specified needed to be separated okay. and also review the training procedures for the pilots. So based on those results, which should take a few weeks to um, assimilate and whatever, they've now said that there is, it's extremely likely that this aircraft will re-enter service next year in the first quarter. First, Boeing said that they wanted to do it in the fourth quarter of this year, but now I'm hearing all these stories about how it's likely going to be the first quarter of 2021. 
So far, I haven't heard of um, China or Australia or any other countries that ha- are going to do their part to recertify the aircraft. But I think if it <laughs> operation in the U.S., that would give a lot of uh, credence to the safety. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But um, I hope they can get this to work and that the rehabilitation continues smoothly. Well, good. I'm glad to know things are moving on that front. Um, But on the other hand, um, I'm sure you were going to segue into this, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. Yes, the 788. Yes, 7810, actually. Okay. So this week, Boeing announced that they had to immediately ground 10, 8, sorry, very recently delivered 787-10s. So the affected aircraft are with United Air Canada and Singapore Airlines. So what happened, I'm sure people realize this already, at least the people who listen to the show, that the 787 is assembled via with carbon composite, barrels as they call them. So these barrels are constructed individually and then fused together at South Carolina in, in um, Charleston. So what Boeing discovered um, this week, and I'm curious to know how they discovered this after the aircraft was uh, delivered. All of them were delivered, but I couldn't find details on it. But when they joined these two fuselage sections, which were at the rear of the aircraft towards the galleys, so the last part of the pressurized section of the planes, the joins were unevenly sealed. Hmm. So what that means is that um, during flight, there is unequal pressure on uh, different parts of the plane while on flight. Ordinarily, apparently, this would not be a problem because then they discovered that um, as part of the join, the... um, Interior surface, which is also carbon composite, was not smooth enough. So it had a few wrinkles. And these two deficiencies would or could very likely result in structural failure of the aircraft. That's crazy. So I did a little backward, a little bit of homework on this. And um, these differences in preciseness of joining these two barrels, if you like, if you could Mm -hmm. call them that. It's pretty natural in manufacturing. And what they do is they insert what are called shims. Now, shims are these um, angled pieces of material that you insert between these two joint pieces to essentially seal the joint. Right. And it turns out they can be solid or liquid. Boeing doesn't seem overly concerned with this. And they said it would take about two weeks of work to bring these aircraft back up to code. Okay, that's good. But I just thought that it was, again, more bad publicity, but it probably was a good time for this to happen because these planes are really not in high demand at this time. And they're not going anywhere. The airlines are not severely impacted. Yeah, so that's good. So, But yeah, I'm still curious to know how Boeing discovered this after the aircraft were delivered. Maybe but, someone uh, did, a, did a thing and told them. Um, but I would imagine all this would need to be done before delivery. And uh, this is probably going to give a little more ammunition to critics, who, who, especially at the airlines, who have pointed out that the 78710s, which are currently produced only in Charleston in South Carolina and not at Boeing Field in Seattle, that are, um, they have been having some quality control issues with aircraft produced at Johnston. But at least Boeing has owned up to the problem and they're fixing it. Oh, wow. That sounds good. No, not yet. But hold on one sec, Krisha. I'm going to put you on pause. Hold on. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, that's crazy. I mean, but... <laughs> Boeing just keeps going and going and going. 
Um, what, what can I tell you? Hopefully, hopefully this will be the last of it, but I doubt it. There's always going to be something going on, right? Yep. So they need the 777X introduction to be smooth. Uh, Perfect. Well, we know that's not going to happen, right? Well, now that they have this extra year, I hope they do. Mm, yeah, well, hopefully, but, but yeah. Uh, all right, so we have one more topic, which is the um, what's Rolls happening with the Rolls-Royce yeah, Rolls engine. What's going so on? I read this article in Bloomberg, actually, mm -hmm. um, and this was an editorial about Rolls-Royce being a British calamity. Their words, not mine. They recently announced uh, the largest ever loss for a UK company and a European company for the first half of 2020. It was about five and a half billion pounds, which is about seven billion US dollars. A lot of this has stemmed from the fact that um, Rolls-Royce has had problems with the Trent 1000 engine that is on the 787. And they had these issues last year where uh, compressor section of the planes were um, cracking. So this resulted in a long and expensive grounding of the 787 planes when they were in high demand. There's still real no fix for the for the engines, so they, all they're doing is replacing the engines as the quickest solution. Then earlier uh, this year, actually not that long ago, they discovered that they had problems with the um, Trent XWB, which is on the 350-900, where they had, again, cracks on the intermediate compressor, not a huge problem, but it again brought unnecessary attention to Rolls-Royce engines, not in a good way. And then just yesterday, EASA said, again, this is the European Air Safety Administration, said that now the 380 engines that also are the Trent 900s, which are essentially D-rated um, Trent 1000s, they require inspections because of unusual wear on the blades. So now this is the third Rolls-Royce engine that is uh, coming under suspicion for checks. And this is not a major issue. Most of the 380s are with Emirates. Um, remember, they had the Engine Alliance engines on their initial 380s, but then they switched to the Rolls-Royce engines for their last 50 380s. So um, again, unwanted attention and not really a good sign for Rolls-Royce reliability. Um, so now they're speculating that uh, Rolls-Royce might not have too many options other than to share development of their next generation ultrafan engine and or merge with another engine manufacturer. They're thinking that maybe BAE Aerospace, which is a defense um, company in the UK, might be a good merger partner. Um, but again, this is just to, re to reinforce that this only affects their commercial aerospace um, division, which is about 50% of the revenues at Rolls-Royce. This does not affect their defense um, uh, arm, which is about 20 to 22 percent. Yeah. Very surprising that Rolls Royce has fallen so far, so fast. Yeah, and because they, they've been having issues. Because uh, when, yes. when, when the 787 came, it wasn't a bunch of them parked because of engine issues. Yes. Like yes. Yeah, so they've been um, QA. Everyone's trying to, you know, I guess, <laughs> save money along the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy because I uh, I had seen an engine once at one of those shows and they showed just the um the the, the cowling mm -hmm. and what I well, not the cowling but I guess the the housing for the everything and um they said it had a crack I couldn't see any crack in it but it did have a crack most of these are discovered with UV light yeah so they're not the guy, visible 
Yeah, and the guy was saying, well, we can't do anything with it because it has a crack in it. They're like, it looks fine. But yeah. So. Is, um, Rolls-Royce is very heavily exposed in the white body segment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And given that white bodies are really not in high demand right now, and they have no competitor for narrow bodies, which are the aircraft that are really yeah. needed at this time, okay. they're in a particularly precarious situation. Yeah. Because but, they need to start continued development of next generation power plants. They've got emissions, but they just don't have money for it, given this huge, huge loss. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. So they have it, folks. I mean, the, the airline industry is not just about the plane you fly in, um, although it is, but um, <laughs> yeah. uh, there are also a lot of different facets that's happening. So hopefully, Rose Ross to get it together and continue um, making engines and we'll get, we'll get all that straightened out. Um, I think that was the last topic we had. It should be because I've been well over our... Oh yeah, we're, 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 we're over time. We, we took a little longer this time, but we were trying to get all the items in so we didn't have to give you two episodes. And um, again, uh, you can go to, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple iTunes. Um, and we're also on Buzzsprout. If you go to buzzsprout.com uh, slash W-H-I-T, you will be able to see all the episodes and download and listen to them. And so um, that's all we have for you today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, this is uh, Kerwin and my buddy. And we are signing off for uh, episode number 28 on Saturday, August 29th. Oh, uh, we didn't have a 28th on the 20th. We should have recorded yesterday. <laughs> oh, well, anyway. All right, Kisha. Talk to you soon.